Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome into episode 29, Resellers Mindset Podcast special guest today, Max Ruback. I personally heard of Max through the Books and Bourbon podcast probably a few months ago. I did not know he existed before then, but he has a very interesting business, right? He has an eBay store, full-time seller, but he also does consignment with you know Amazon sellers like myself. We're going to throw it over to Max here. He's going to introduce himself, his business, and then we'll kind of just bounce some questions off him and, you know, see what he's really getting into over there. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be here with you today. Um, I'm Max Ruback, Common Ground Finds on eBay, Common Ground Finds underscore on IG. That's about all the social media I do. Uh, I've been a full-time book and I would say art seller for about two and a half years now. But prior to that, I was doing it for about uh, six years and uh, doing that as a side hustle as I was a high school teacher uh, for 18 years before I retired. Uh, and then what happened slowly but surely is uh, the side hustle became much more powerful than the career job. Um, and so I had to make a choice. COVID happened book sales were going up. People were actually buying a lot of art at that time too, during COVID, which is unexplainable to me. Um, and so I was at that crossroads in my life, 18 years teaching, trying to go to 30, get that pension or, or do what I was really enjoying, which was selling books and art. And um, I chose the books and art and I haven't looked back since. I've had a couple great breaks along the way that has really exploded my business nationally. And um now just forging ahead with, with the uh, antiquarian, hard to find and rare book business. I'm curious, you were a teacher, right? And from my understanding, teaching is a job of love, right? Teachers are underpaid in this country. So like, it, it for me, it's a little bit different, right? I worked at CBS, I hated my job. So like the first, you know, once I got it to a point where I could jump out, I jumped out. So I'm curious, was it different for you since you were teaching? I'm sure you got enjoyment out of that, you know, teaching the kids, everything. So was it more of like a hard decision when it came to, it's really not just about the money in your case, because you enjoy teaching so much. Uh, along with teaching, I was also a girls high school basketball coach. And so I, I have great memories, but I love the coaching more than the teaching. The teaching I enjoyed but it wasn't a passion that I had. Um, and, you know, what happened was um, I was doing the books just as a side hustle and uh, it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I was selling a lot more books than I'd ever dreamed of selling uh, using eBay as a platform. And uh, so it was actually an easy decision and a decision that I wanted to make probably two years in the making in my mind. Um, I said, once I hit this number, I'm going to get out. And so I was just, I kept striving for that number for two years, learning what I had to do to make that number. Um, and once I started hitting that number consistently, I, I, I really didn't look back. I, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy thoroughly the life change that I made, um, owning my time and, uh, working and living out of my house and, and selling the books and the art. So I noticed you said you do consigning for Amazon sellers. Um, outside of those people, do, does any facet of your business involve Amazon on your side? Um, very little Amazon. Um, if I walk into an estate sale and there's 300 cookbooks, all barcode cookbooks, I know that I would, you know, I would, I wouldn't scan those books. I would just look at the collection as a whole. I would make an offer on everything. And then, um, you know, I would buy everything and then scan what I can for Amazon. But Amazon is probably less than less than 5% of my business. Gotcha. Now, yeah. how did you get into the signing with Amazon sellers? Because antique sellers and Amazon sellers, there seems to be a gigantic divide. When I was, when I was selling books just on eBay for myself, these videos... 
and podcasts started popping up several years ago. And I was getting very angry in a calm way um, about watching Amazon sellers talking about duds and recycling duds and throwing away duds. And I kept saying to myself, they're throwing more money away in eBay books that they don't know about um, just because they're looking for all barcodes. Well, what happens if there's a book in there without barcode that's worth $500? And I knew, I knew based on what I've done and um, my experience uh, working in an antiquarian bookstore for many years, I knew that in these Gaylords, there was money that was untapped. There was, they were just scanning, 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 and then they would make videos and talk about recycling what's left. So I started coming up with a vision of trying to contact some of these people, some of these Amazon sellers and saying, hey, I'm pioneering this idea. I don't know how it's going to work yet. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen, but here's what you're missing. And um, it started to happen little by little. I would contact, they would give me a shot. They'd give me a chance to do it with them. Um, and I think one of the first sellers that I got who was an Amazon guy had about 400 modern library books, all, all with dust jackets. That was some professor's collection. Uh, he, he was just a collector. And of course he passed away. The collection went to some thrift store, ended up being in a Gaylord. This guy got, this guy got the Gaylord. And he started just showing me pictures of these books saying, are these worth anything? And I, I couldn't act fast enough. Um, that was probably two years ago. I, I mean, we sold 300 of those 400 in the first 90 days. Um, and so of course he likes that consigner, that Amazon consigner loves my business plan. And so now he sends me pictures all the time about what he's finding in Gaylord's using my eBay store, he'll go on my eBay store and sort of look at what I'm listing, look at what I'm selling. Um, and then he'll ask me questions every now and then. Um, and he'll, he'll learn and he'll get better at what to pick from Gaylords than he did say a year ago. Um, and so I just kept peppering different Amazon sellers that I had relationships with saying, this is what I'm doing. And then, um, I was speaking with Caleb Roth for about a year from Books and Bourbon and um, Scout IQ. And he said, you have a good idea. Um, we're going to put you on the show. And once I did that show, all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. Um, nowadays, my phone, my phone gets pictures and videos of books all day long from people all across the country. Um, and so... I'm thumbs upping pictures and I'm thumbs downing pictures and whatever I thumbs up goes in a box eventually comes my way and we get them listed and, um, and we use a, a three letter code most of the time to identify whose books are whose um, in, in the title. Um, so it's a very busy business now. It's, it's a hundred times busier than I ever planned on it being, but um, it also reaffirms my belief that great books and great money what i call paper gold it's it's everywhere there's, i have there's you you can there's so many people out there who can make a full-time living from books if they put a little bit of work in a little bit of effort and they understand this market um just like uh you had asked me earlier about the halloween books um those came from a gaylord in, I believe they came from a gay lord in Indiana. Um, and um, the gay lord had thousands of paperback horror novels. That's and, crazy. Um, yeah. So these, this paper gold is in gay lords all the time. You, you know, you just have to know what to find. Um, so that being said, the business isn't stopping anytime soon. There's, there's, you know, I, I think my inventory today is probably better than it was two years ago and better than it was four years ago. So what will it be with the more consigners I find across the country? How good will my inventory be in another two years? Because it progressively just gets better.
I think about this all the time, right? When I first started Amazon, I was, you know, I was the person that was making you cry on the inside. No barcode. It's not worth anything. Like, I don't, I don't even want to know how much I've thrown away. And I still do think that, you know, 90 plus percent of Amazon sellers, if they see a bookcase and there's no barcodes, they are not even thinking twice. They're not even going to look at that bookcase. They're moving on right to the next one. And I think the argument could be made that, if you have two bookcases with the same amount of books next to each other, one has books with barcodes and one has books, you know, pre-ISBN error, that you would make more money off the pre-ISBN error bookcase than you would the scannable barcode bookcase. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. I'm a firm believer that whatever an Amazon seller is paying for a Gaylord, I think eight out of 10 times, they're going to, if they use my knowledge and and use my facilities uh they would make more money from those ebay books than they're making from those amazon books unless those amazon books are a gaylord full of textbooks i would agree with that wholeheartedly the the crux of that argument that the amazon gaylord people i don't think want to endure is it's a little harder on ebay a little bit more work to be put in yeah yeah so you know it is more work um my consigners uh, they, they, they all have a different way of sending me pictures of books. Some of them just stack them on tables. And as long as I see the spines, I'm good. Um, some of them make one minute videos for me and they just flip through them and I'll, and I'll reply what, what I want, uh, sent my way, but you can go through my store. You can go through my history of just a year. And I I've sold books. I've, I probably sold well over 50 books four consigners that are over $500 each. Uh, matter of fact, I sold one about eight months ago. No barcode, of course, no cover, no front cover, no back cover. It was signed by a yogi in 1935. Horrible signature. But if you, if you knew what, if you knew the subject matter of the book, you would put more research into it. And that book sold for well over a thousand dollars. And it would, it would, every Amazon and eBay seller would have thrown this book away just based on its physical appearance without having a, a cover on front and back. Gotcha. It was just a shredded pile of paper. No, I've sold some real winners missing covers before. Yeah. I hear you. So, with all this influx because of your publicity off of uh, Caleb's show, did you have to bring in people to help with the, the input output? Yeah, I have I have uh, two employees right now, um, and they do all of the listing for me, and one of them does most of my shipping. Um, so what I'm really doing is I'm I'm talking with clients and customers most of the day, and then I'm I'm the one who prices the books and answers questions that come across the eBay platform. Um, so yeah, I I couldn't do it without the employees. They they are they are a huge asset to me. I just couldn't do it. We're selling too much for me to be able to ship list and do everything by myself. No, I'm with you. I had to bring in my first employee in January because I have just, just so much. So I hear you. It's a great uh, asset to have though. You want, you want that. You, you want to be, that's how, that's how we scale up. Yeah. It's almost how I, I'm almost double what I was doing solo as far as my output and listings. Yeah. It's and that's what you want yeah, because exactly. you want more time also to find the stuff that you like to sell. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're at home shipping all the time or you're at home pricing all the time, you're not going out to try to find, find that paper gold at the thrift stores or the estate sales or make those connections you need. So without, how much of your business is commission versus you going out and finding the stuff for your, for your own self? It, it's growing, but I'm probably about 30 to 35% consigner right now. And six, six between 16, and 70%. Um, it's still my original inventory or things that I'm still finding myself. Um, but that number was probably 20 to 25% a year ago. Right. So sooner or later, it's going to be a 50, 50 split, um, which is fine. I mean, I, what I care about is just having great books in my inventory, great desirable books for, for the book buyers. Gotcha. So, so whether those books come from Washington state or Austin, Texas or Boston, Massachusetts, or a, a small town in Georgia, it doesn't matter 
you know, where it comes from, as long as the inventory is something that I believe I could sell. Now on your commission deals with your clients, do you have, because people get sent offers on eBay, do you have a threshold where you're not allowed to take an offer? It, ha it has to be a very special book. Um, any, any special book that may be 300 or over. Um, I always tell the consigner that I would talk to them first before I accept any offers. So they have a little power and control. I price high anyways, because eBay, you just get low ballers all day. Um, so, so I price high enough to where the low ball is usually around the number that I like anyways. Um, and if not, then we just counter offer or we, or we decline. Um, I, I, I love the process of selling books. I love the journey of selling books. So that's never a headache to me. Um, I don't collect books myself. Um, like those Halloween, that trio of Halloween paperbacks. It's cool to have. It's cool to see it. I know it's desirable. But if someone were to buy it today, I'd be just as happy as putting them in a box and set, sending them out. Um, I don't need to collect. I just, I, I, the, having the store and the great inventory is what's vital and important to me. All right. So I, I got, a, I got a few questions about your business, right? So, cause there's a lot of people that kind of just start with Amazon selling books. They really, really don't get into books on eBay. It's a different beast. So like, say for example, I'm a new bookseller. And I come across all these antique books, right? And I don't know you from a, a hole in the wall, right? I just, I hear about you on this podcast. I'm a new seller and I have all these antique books. Like, I guess the question is like, is somebody that's brand new versus maybe, you know, Johnny B who's been doing the business for a while, you're open to taking brand new clients on, even if it's somebody that just started selling books, as long as the quality of the stuff is there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, I have, I have a, a younger client who just started with me about six months ago. Um, but I can tell in speaking with him how hungry he was um, and that he was going to be out there looking for stuff. And we sold, a, we sold a book for him for $500 in the first 30 days that he did business with me. Um, and uh, he, he sends me pictures every day. He's on the road. He's out there. And uh, you know, I'm saying no to 80 to 90% of what, what he's sending me pictures of, but there's 10% that he is now making money from. Um, and he's probably selling five to 10 books a week from me now. Uh, you know, 40 books, 40 books a month is nothing to laugh at um, as you're learning this business. Um, and what one thing that I love about this business is his eye is getting better and his eye and knowledge is getting sharper. So he knows what pictures to send me better now than when he first started, say, six months ago. You know, six months ago, everybody wants to send me pictures of every book from the 1800s. Well, that the 1800s in, in book language is not that old. It's old to us <laughs> uh, as human beings, but it's not, it's just not a, not a very old book. Um, and so cultivating that knowledge for people allows my business to run a little bit more efficiently too. So I send you a picture of a book. We'll say it's, maybe it's a, like you a, did. I did. Yes. Yesterday. <laughs> and, you, and you got back to me. So he, he does respond. He doesn't leave you on a uh, red for, you know, days at a time, right? You, you don't have to stay overnight at the Goodwill to get an answer. <laughs> it's uh so like, do you have a minimum price? Like if somebody's sending you photos of a book, could you have the knowledge base of what something's going to sell for? Like, is there a minimum price something has to be to make it worth your time? And I guess in the, in my time too. Yeah. It's a good question. You know, I don't like to sell anything for under $12, but I've, I've have plenty of clients who um, go to estate sales and um, I'll go live with them. So they'll call me and they'll say, okay, Max, I'm going to be in an estate sale. Um, here's the time difference. And uh, they'll go live with me. They'll put their earpiece in and they'll scan the shelves for me. And I'll literally tell them what to pull. Um, so it's like, I'm at that estate sale in Arizona with them from Florida. Um, and, and a lot of times somebody will just get a stack of 10 to $20 books. They're all just right next to each other. And if they can send me two boxes of $15 average books, everyone's going to make money. 
So um, that's not what I'm really looking for. Ultimately, I'm looking really for that paper gold. I'm looking for those $50 books, those $100 books, those $1,000 books. Um, but in the process of waiting for those needles in the haystacks, you grab the other stuff that you believe that can sell too. I got a couple of questions. Um, one, do you deal with international people? And on that note, who pays for the stamp? So I will pay half the shipping for a consigner who sends me boxes of books once I develop that relationship with them. But um, there has to be a three to six month window where I know they're going to consistently send me send me boxes of books. Um, I get boxes of books every day delivered to my house. Um, so there's always money waiting outside my door from consignors. And um, sometimes they send it without me even realizing that they've sent it. So I might get I might get four boxes tomorrow. Two could be from Arizona. One could be from Idaho and one could be from Delaware and you open and, and I've already forgotten what's what these people are sending me. So it's kind of like a treasure treasure hunt when you get back in that box and you see what they've sent you. Um, but I'll pay half the shipping once I develop that relationship with them. And I know that they're capable of sending the, sending some good paper gold all the time. It doesn't matter if they're us based or Australia. Oh, or I have, I have two consigners who are, well, I have two consigners who are in Canada and that gets a little tricky sometimes, but we find our way around it. But I don't have anybody out uh, internationally sending me books. Uh, they're buying books, but they're not sending me books. I, I like the idea of this like a lot. If I wasn't like, if I was doing this part time and if I could just walk in a store, send you a photo of all the books that don't have barcodes, right? I grab all the books that don't have barcodes, stack them at the end of the shelf or something, snap a photo, throw it in a box, send it to you. Um, people are probably curious, like, how does it work, right? Like, how much do you take? How much does a used book guy get at the end of the day? It's a 50-50 split after eBay fees. Everything's right down the middle. And for people wondering, hey, you know, well, if I have to pay for shipping, well, if you buy the shipping label, it's a, you know, that's a write-off for your business. It's a shipping label. So it's not like you're out of the money anyway. So right. um, don't don't be, like, put off by paying for a shipping mm -hmm. label. It means absolutely. I've sent Johnny B, you know, boxes and boxes of books every single yeah. month. That's how I pay him to be on the podcast with all my <laughs> <Aiden> uh, books. <laughs> he gets paid. I got three boxes sitting in the storage unit now. But I do think that this this market this business you have is still so underutilized mm -hmm. oh yes because um, there's so much that gets left behind and you kind of because people that do amazon really don't want to do ebay like i'm one of those people i don't want to do the listings or anything like that so the fact i can just throw it in a box you're basically a buyback company for antique books and mm -hmm. you do all of the work all of the extra work it's not even like you know you're just listening on amazon you are actually taking photos, customer service, shipping to the item, dealing with all that. And then you're just giving somebody, you know, 50% of the sale every single time. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I have four consigners and I pay every month. I have four consigners just this past month who I paid over a thousand dollars to. So, you know, they're doing good business and every one of those, every one of those consigners is an am is a, is predominantly an Amazon seller. And what they're doing with me is just a side hustle to maximize their profits from Gaylords or from estate sales. I mean, there's nothing better than, you know, going to an estate sale if you're an Amazon seller and you run into a collection of Western Americana books and, and some are barcoded and you know you're going to get some for Amazon, but most of them aren't. You just call me and and send me some pictures, and uh, and we'll buy the whole collection. Um, and then you you know you're going to make money in the next twelve months as these books sell. Matter of fact, I'll tell you what um, I just bought over one thousand books in Arizona uh, last week. Johnny B, these are all Eastern Presses, Ooh. Folio Society. Uh, Hold on, I know one you're gonna like, limited edition, uh, and Franklin Libraries. Um, I have a, I have a, right yeah, I have a consigner in Arizona who sent me pictures of this, and um, it's over a thousand of them, and um, I bought everything. Yeah, 
and uh, it's two pallets worth. I'll be making an IG post about that next week, but uh, it's two pallets of these books are coming to my house next week. Um, but it's every one of those books will sell. Yes. It might take two years, but every single one of those books will sell. 100% sell through, right? It's a yeah. matter of time. 100%. So, so I, you know, there's nothing better for me than to be living here in South Florida and I can make a book deal in Arizona or a book deal, you know, in Texas or a book deal in Georgia and have books set and have books sent to me either pallet, Gaylord, or just boxes. Um, it's allowing me to cherry pick the greatest inventory which is, I think, what you're hinting at. I'm, allow I'm, I'm allowing myself to cherry pick the great inventory all across the country now. I don't have to really get into my car and get lucky at a thrift store and estate sale. I get to do it using my phone and the computer now. So I got two questions for you, and I'll, I'll flip it back over to Mike. So that Arizona deal, was that at an auction house by chance? No. Okay. I was, was at an estate. Estate sale. All it right. was an estate sale, and... Um, my consigner, my friend was buying for himself and he he told me ahead of time, he's like, I'm going to regret sending you a picture of this because I know you're going to buy it all and then you're going to make me work. And, mm. um, and I'm just going to load the truck. Yeah, I think I think he sent me the pictures on Saturday uh, and um, on Monday, I tried to make a deal with the with the owners of the estate. Um, my bid for for the books wasn't what they wanted. They had someone who was going to pay more. And a week later, the person who was going to pay more didn't pay anything. Oh. And, I, and I got it at my number. Nice. Yeah. So dealing with higher end books, um, your $100, your $1,000, your $10,000 books, mm -hmm. right? What happens when a return happens? You try to develop a relationship with that buyer. Um with that type of book. So um, I sold a book recently for $5,000. Um, it was the uh, first edition Alcoholics Anonymous book. Um, if you know that book, you know, that's a whole, that's a, that's a true Holy Grail. Um, and um, I had several conversations, both by phone and by messages with the buyer asking questions. And so you just have to feel comfortable with the deal. I've never had a problem with a return of a of a high caliber number book. Um, sometimes you might get a return on a hundred dollar book, um, but but that's part of the business. These things happen sometimes. Um, but if I was if I was to sell another five thousand dollar book, my advice is you just want to develop a relationship with that buyer and 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 have a trust with them. Um, cause they're just as anxious to get that book as you are about selling it too. And they, and they want to know that they can trust me as well. So I, you know, I don't, I don't think, I know sometimes eBay, the eBay sellers and buyers, um, they get negative talk sometimes on these podcasts and, sure. and these, and these Instagram posts. But I think most of eBay, I think most of the buyers for me, are, are wonderful people and and there's no ill will or harm that they want to do to my business well i was more it was a great answer but i was more curious on the angle of it's from a it's a client's book that you sold for big oh, money the okay. money's already been dispersed maybe i don't know uh -huh. right so what happens on a return when there's three people involved yeah um okay so i sold the painting about three months ago for $15,000. And um, the buyer wanted 100 more pictures than the 24 pictures I was allowed in, in the listing. And so um, I did that and we had phone conversations. And my fear of that deal was shipping. You know, you ship a $15,000 painting and, and, and the uh, UPS drivers and deliverers don't treat it well you're gonna you're gonna have that painting sent back to you if it's got a hole or any damage to it luckily for me this painting was um a pickup the gentleman lived uh, about two hours north of me um but when i have other people involved if it was a consigner part of the deal um you know there's a 30-day ebay policy of returns and you just have to wait it out and uh 
and hope nothing happens. I've never had anything bad happen to me on things like that. Um, you know, my, my returns, very few. It's mostly, it may be a mistake that I make um, in listing or I, I forget to take a picture of a book plate or something, um, or there's handwriting on page 78 that I missed. Um, sometimes I'll get a return for that, but that's, that's, that's human error. And that's also part of the business. Yeah, I've had very few returns. And like you said, it's usually a mistake on my end yeah. or the customer already had the item in question and didn't realize it. Yeah, well, that, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> with customers. Um, I think, you know, unfortunately, I think there are customers out there who watch podcasts and they watch IGs and they target you and they want to they want to dent your reputation. Um, I think that, you know, I'm not naive. I, you know, that I know that exists out there. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like Amazon, right? There you have an account level reserve. Well, with Max, you just got a max level reserve, right? You gotta wait for your your money to clear and then he'll send it to you, right? It sells today. He texts you, hey, your five hundred dollar book sold today. It's not like he's gonna cut you that check right away. And you shouldn't no. expect that as you know, as a seller anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, my, my bookkeeper sets it up where um when we sign a contract with you, you can either get paid by the fifth of the month or by the 15th of the month. So um, we sort of have two, two avenues of when you're going to get paid, but you get paid every month, no matter what. And we can send you as much as we want, right? Cause I, I personally thought about doing this and I, and uh, I was just like, well, you know, I'm doing this full time. So it's a little bit different for me since I'm, you know, the knowledge for me is worth it versus, you know, just, just sending something away. But for somebody else, you, that doesn't want to deal with eBay, doesn't have an eBay account. And I always said, you could sell on Amazon and eBay and not even sell the stuff yourself. You could just use buyback companies and somebody mm -hmm. like yourself. And you yeah. could literally, you never even need to sell on these platforms. I, I have people like that. I have people who just, what they do is they just, they all they care about are their estate sales. So they'll go to an estate sale on a Friday or a Saturday. We'll go, I'll go live with them. And seven days later, I get a box of books in they're happy because they they like the hunt of finding this stuff, which is exciting. And then they like the uh, financial rewards when they find the really great stuff. Um, and it, it I got to tell you, it happens all the time. It I, the great books are out there. I, I believe it. Do you sell anything besides art and books? Like, say if I have like, say if I stumble across, you know, a bunch of like vintage toys or something along mm -hmm. those lines, or like some some new old stock, you know. Yeah. Are you open to selling that kind of stuff for somebody yeah. as well? Yeah. Before I fine tune what I'm doing now with books and art, I was selling vintage toys, uh, you know, tin toys, marks and and things of that nature. Um, Star Wars figures. Um, you know, I get questions about that all the time. And if I think, if I think it's resellable and there's profit to be made from, from both parties, I'll definitely do it. Um, you know, when I made a post about that $15,000 painting and suddenly all my consigners were sending me pictures of every, of every painting in every thrift store in the state sale for a month after that, um, you know, art is a little bit harder um, to find great stuff, but it's also the greatest return of investment. Um, so, you know, you can regularly find good lithographs or good paintings or good vintage posters in thrift stores and estate sales. And there is very, there's definitely a hundred dollar value on a lot of that stuff, if not a thousand dollar value. Um, but you just have, you just have to get a little bit knowledgeable about it. And the advice I would give is just go on eBay, type in the words vintage poster and click on sold or type in hand sign lithograph and click on sold and just see what sells across eBay's platform for 30 days and start developing your eye of what to look for. Um, the treasures are out there. Uh, people die every day and their collections are going to thrift stores every day. That's really the bottom line. And, um, and part of what I want to do is just get myself out there enough to when these things pop up wherever they may be that I get the contact uh, and I get the business from it. I'm guilty as charged 
although the, all those uh metal racks of like paintings and thrift stores i have never looked at a single one of those things and i've been in a million plus thrift stores <laughs> right but i but i can teach you you know in, in in 10 minutes i can show you what to look for and i guarantee you you will kick yourself for things that you will recognize and 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 you've ignored um, I, I believe it 100%. I guarantee I probably will pass lots and lots and lots of money in those paintings. Because I just think, you know, it's it's Joe Blow who painted this in his basement in, you know, 1993. It's not worth nothing. See, Mike, um, I keep telling you, we need to open up our own Goodwill and the stuff just comes to us for free. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing is, but I'm just cultivating and, and cherry picking that stuff. Um, yeah, Mike, you made me mad the other day when you said you, you sent signed books to Amazon and didn't care that it was signed i'm a, i'm a, i'm blaming johnny b for allowing you to do that he wouldn't send them to me because I- <laughs> he knows he can't stop me i'm just cutting it loose it is it's it is one cannon. of those things it's one of those things though right i just like i don't see it until i'm literally about the i already have it labeled it's ready to go in the box for amazon it's listen <laughs> somebody's getting a sweet treat when they get my book <laughs> was that was that a donald trump signature if i remember correctly what was it I had uh, I came across the Donald Trump signature right. and, you know, one of his run of I think it was like the art of the sailor. I don't know. Yeah, one of yeah. his crappy books. Uh, but I gave that one to a friend because uh, he's a fan. But I, I I have a dog, the bounty hunter that I keep for mm-hmm. myself. But I come across books all the time that are signed and I just send them into Amazon. I don't think choice. But now it's like, you know, maybe I can squeeze an extra. But like on average, how much you think an, an autograph on a book raises the price by like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, 50 bucks. Oh, all right. Are you sitting down? I am. The last time I sold a signed Trump three months ago, I sold it for five hundred and forty-five dollars. Yeah, well, it's a lifelong good friend. friend, Mike. Can you get the it, book it, back? It, it, and he's my YouTube editor, so uh, I can't. Uh, I, I can't cross him here. I can't ask for him. Ask for it back. What What I would say to you is go on my store. Just click on my inventory and 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 type uh, hand signed or signed. Click sold, and then you'll see what what a what a signature does to a book. Sometimes, sometimes it only raises it $30. Sometimes it raises it a thousand dollars. It all depends on whose signature it is. Yeah. You don't, you don't think those signed Donald Trump books are going to sell for almost 500 to a thousand dollars if he runs again. Yeah. I mean, if I ever come across another one, it's getting sold. But uh, uh, now I'm curious with like, say, you know, a lot of the newer stuff, even if it's signed, like, I know you kind of focus on the antiquarian books. Are you open, say, you know, maybe I don't have an eBay store at all. I don't want an eBay store. I do barcode stuff, but I come across like, you know, Stephen King book club editions or first editions. Is that something you're willing to take on as a business, even though, you know, it has a barcode, it is a newer book, or if it's a signed, maybe it's a book that was signed in, you know, last year or a new book that just came out last month. Are you open to taking that kind of stuff in your your eBay business? I am very open and I sell quite frequently hardcover Stephen King. It doesn't have to be, that's a big misnomer. It doesn't have to be a first edition. I can sell I can sell a book club edition shining for 40 to $75 depending on the condition. I can sell a um Dolores Claiborne Stephen King for $20 even if it's a book club edition. Um I'm not looking for first editions all the time. I'm looking to sell books. And um I have a pretty good pulse on what the market is and what people buy. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, you know, Johnny B will understand this. I love selling book club edition science fiction hardcover because awesome. that's the greatest, that's the greatest artwork there ever is. Um, it comes down but, to art on yeah, that. Stuff a yeah. Lot go to, go to those 1950s, 60s and 70s artwork. And there is nothing like that today. It, it's so no. vanilla nowadays that the art and the beauty of those books is in the artwork of the cover. Right. And a lot of people don't realize so there's some really famous artists and illustrators in those things. Like Frank Frazetta, he did a ton of sci-fi and fantasy artwork in the book land. Mm-hmm. A lot of it. And nobody really knows it. It's not a, I, I wouldn't say it's like public information, even though these books have been out there forever. Um, people just don't realize, but right. they're always like, ooh, pretty cover. Right. But once, what, once you know who Frazetta is, you'll always recognize Frazetta artwork, even yeah. though there's people who sort of copied him a little bit, but at yeah. least at least you know what the Frazetta looks like. And 
and then you look at the signature and then you'll you'll know if it's a Frazetta. Um, I'm sure I'm sure if someone called you up and said, hey, my father collected all Frazetta and has 4000 paperbacks, uh, a lot of duplicates, your jaw would drop and you would buy the whole collection. I'm sorry, you started. I'm on the way. Yeah, Frazetta, Frazetta is for you is is the Eastern Press Franklin Library to me. You yes. know you're going to sell every one of them. 100% sell through yeah. rate. 100%. I don't even know who Frazetta is for those wondering. You're going to know you're going to know after today. <laughs> <laughs> He's more famous in comic books. He did a lot of the classic comic book art, but he also did a lot of book cover art and interior illustrations in books. Conan oh yeah yeah my man arnold uh i do think there is like just that conversation alone kind of sums up the opportunity that somebody like myself is missing out on right somebody that just sells on amazon uh we really don't have the knowledge base it takes time to develop the knowledge you two have and that's perfectly fine you can you know like you were saying you work with consigners we get smarter over time from what you're telling us you know whether this is send it to me or not send it to me so you're still gaining knowledge but you're just not doing the work. I think that's the big appeal to this. And honestly, I've been thinking about like, I'm looking to buy a house here. Uh, hopefully once something pops up on the market that me and uh, Deb like, and it's like, I'm just going to send you a picture of my eBay inventory and whatever you want goes to you and everything else I just get rid of just so I don't have to move it all when I move into a house. Like that's 100% my plan that I'm committed to. <laughs> but what's more exciting in talking with you guys today for me um, is if you go to a thrift store, if you go to your honey hole this week, or you go to another thrift store and you see, you see all books without barcodes on a single shelf. And they're all books about snakes and snake history. I'm more excited that you're going to recognize, Hey, I need to send this picture to max because this is all someone's collection. Whenever you're able to buy someone's collection of whatever they collected for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, there's always going to be great stuff in there. And um, if, it, if, it's a, if it's a collection about books about snakes and herpetology, that's to me, that's paper gold. It is. And I guarantee you, you're going to run into this stuff once you recognize, once you recognize what's out there and the availability of making more money through books. Um, I mean, I, I'm making, you know, I'm making 10 times the living now as I was as a career invested teacher and coach. And I get to work from home. I get to put on my music and listen to Pink Floyd and Price Books for an hour every morning. I mean, my life completely changed because of books. So on the topic of acquiring all these books, I took a look at your store, as you know, and it, yours is about three times mine. Uh, as far as size and i have more in my mm -hmm. key line as i assume you have more in your key line so talk to <laughs> me about storage. <laughs> tell me how tell me all the wonderful things when it comes to storage well um i i own my home i have a two-car garage which does not have any cars in it it's all library bookshelves so if you were to go into my two-car garage you would just it would look like a library in there um, I also have a small warehouse that, um, when I get overstock in that stuff has to go. Um, so when, when that, when that collection of a thousand Eastern presses and Franklin's comes next week, it's going to go to the warehouse first, uh, before it makes it over to my place to, um, get priced and whatnot. Um, if that's the advantage of living in a house with a garage is you can, you can make, you can make money from your home by using the space. Um, and if you do books and you have 50 bookshelves and every shelf is six, six, uh, six levels and you get 30 to 40 books on the shelf and, and every book is just say an average of $20. That's how you make a living. <laughs> it's how you make you a, living. a ticketing system. No, 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 no. Every, every shelf is a letter. And then each shelf on that letter is a number. So let's just go with the C1 shelf. C would be the shelf. And then one would be the top. Two would be C2 would be the second shelf, C3. The problem is, is I'm, I'm you know, 18,000 books in. Yeah. 
but yeah. we're getting creative with our alphabet now. Now we have a ZZ shelf <laughs> and an XY shelf. We've run out, we've run out of single single alphabets. So I was using date base for the longest time. It was compartmentalized per bookshelf. Mm -hmm. It's the October 2022 bookshelf. Right. I switched over to just sequential numbering and I use these like bookmarks and they stick out the end yeah. pretty much. Those are great too, but I'll tell you another thing that I do that I've learned along the way. If you look at my bookstore, any book that I've listed in the year 2023, mm -hmm. it's price 0.23. Any book that I Clever. Listed, any book that I bought in 2022 and listed is 0.22. So if you went to my store, there's probably no more books from 2019. There's no more 0.19s. There's probably under 100 0.20s. So this is also a way for me to look at my 2021 inventory and know that I need to lower prices or maybe even excise the stock from, from my inventory. So next year, everything that I list will be 0.24. Nice. So um, we're can, I was using date-based with color coding. We're, we're migrating all of mm -hmm. our stuff over to the new system. And what I've noticed while doing that, I don't know if you've done an audit of, of your stuff in the past, um, there are some listings that have no longer exist for reasons unknown. Happens all Which the is time. okay. It's just going to get relisted, more inventory, I guess. But I, I found that fascinating. Like, what'd you do with my listing, eBay? I can't find you. Yeah, no, it happens. It happens. It happens all the time with eBay. eBay glitches out. A couple of years ago, eBay glitched out and it only saved one picture mm. of, of, you know, I sell po vintage posters too. And I had about 400 to 500 posters that only had one picture because every other picture glitched out. So I had to retake all the pictures of all those inventory. Um, and, um, you know, but that's part of, that's part of this business. I mean, we're yeah. dealing with technology. It still is a new business. It's a new model for a lot of people. Um, and eBay is still learning how to grow too. eBay never thought they would become what they'd become in a million years. They never saw this coming. And, and so they're, they're learning how to deal with growth too. And, um, and so it's, you know, sometimes it hurts for us. Sometimes it hurts for them. I mean, with photo storage on eBay, I wonder how much actual photos, because they're, they're the host, right? They're hosting right. all the photos yeah. and the millions and millions of sellers that do more than one photo. It's just right. amazing. Yeah. We, we do a minimum of six, but most of the time we're doing at least 10 to 12 yeah. uh, pictures for for every book um and it's a, if it's expensive book it's getting 20 to 24 pictures um and god forbid we ever get a glitched out of that and have to retake all that um but you know it's it's books the book business is sometimes headaches with inventory um we're not, we're, we're not selling toothbrushes they're not going to sell every day sometimes it takes three years to sell a book sometimes it takes three minutes to sell a book um you just you never I'm always surprised daily of what sells because you just never know what people are looking for. I, I would never be able to guess what's going to sell quickly. I say, Max, take your 50% and deal with the headaches so I don't have to deal with any of it. All all day long. It's not it's it's not really a headache. That's the beauty of it. I, I thoroughly enjoy this this journey and uh and dealing with um great books every day. I mean gone fishing man it's it's just a good life i, I do think paper acts. Yeah, yeah i do think there's like a the upside to this like what you're doing like i can see this getting so big like you're just going to have to get an actual warehouse at some point right the garage is going to have to finally you know you're gonna have to park your lamborghini in the garage finally unfortunately but uh i do think like if you think about it you know it's it's personal right you know we've been texting for the past few weeks and it's like if you have a question about something and it's hard to come by, and I think that's why a lot of people kind of gravitate to my YouTube channel is I give everybody a response, right? And that, and you're kind of the same way, you know, it's, Hey, is this book worth it? Sure. You're going to give you know, a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And you really don't have that, you know, human interaction when it comes to bigger consignment businesses or right. another knowledge base. A lot of it is basically outsourced, like maybe a VA does it, or you just get a generic response. But with what you're doing, I really like the idea that, you're actually hands-on involved. You let, you know, your employees take care of the 
the the, the quote unquote, you know, busy work while mm-hmm. you deal with all of your clients. And I think right. that's kind of gotten you to the point where you're at today because it's personable. You know, hey, you can reach out to Max, send him a photo. I'll get a response. Or maybe throw me a tidbit like, hey, you know, you should always be looking out for this or that. And I do think that's kind of the benefit you have. And I really, you know, when it comes to consignment on eBay, do you have like any competition out there that you know of or is it just you? I recognize that I'm pioneering something here, um, especially with going live to estate sales. Um, so yesterday I was in Arizona, I was in Georgia, and I was in Maine at three different estate sales from the chair that I'm sitting in now in South Florida. So I, I recognize I'm pioneering something here. Um but going back um, to the earlier part of the question, I, I'm not opposed to having a large warehouse and doing this, but uh, South Florida real estate, <laughs> it, it just wouldn't make it financially uh, viable right now. Um, but there, you know, there are always opportunities to um, grow and move and, and, and go to a, a city that um, is more open to large warehouse space at a n- normal number. You're welcome to come down to Texas. There's plenty of books here. <laughs> there are. I know. I have several consigners in Texas. The Texas is a great, great book area. Matter of fact, one of my largest consigners is from Texas. They're, uh, they're, they're out near San Antonio, maybe an hour out, um, but they're, they're, they're on a farm and they're serious Amazon and eBay people. I love it. I love dealing with them. All right. So we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to let Max plug. So somebody that's listening out there wants to get some more information, you know, how the program works, everything like that. Where exactly should they reach out to get more information on the program and kind of, you know, jump headfirst into this? I think the easiest way is probably just to get me on Instagram, which is common ground finds underscore. It's all one word. Um, If they can't figure that out for whatever reason, they can contact you and you'll sort of lead them in my direction. Um, um, they can also look at my store. If they're, if they're familiar with eBay, just go to common ground finds and look at my store. You can also ask me a question on there. Um, but I'll send you, I'll send you some links, um, for this podcast and, uh, you can post them and, uh, people can reach out to me. Um, they can also get me on email. Um, and I'll send you that information as well. Um, it's been an honor talking to you guys. I, I watch you guys every week. So it's, it's fun, it's fun actually having the chance to talk to you. I hope we can do it again. I I have a feeling we've left a lot, <laughs> a lot on the table that we Just could do. Like last week, I got fifty more questions. <laughs> yeah. We could do. Um, I'm I'm going to be on um Romer the Romer's boot camp tomorrow actually, um which I think you did Mike already. Um, so I have that going on tomorrow. Um, so we're about to get busy again. That's good. And we, as always, we appreciate you all listening and we will talk to you all in next week's episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. Today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all YouTube members along with the weekly Zoom call and private Discord. Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.